0: Hello, welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Graham Wilson. The fact that we have Hepatitis Awareness Week suggests that many of us don't know much about this disease. So to tell us what it is and how best to avoid it, we've invited onto the program the CEO of Hepatitis New South Wales, Stuart Loveday. Stuart, thanks for joining us. Good morning, thank you. Why is there a need for an organisation that looks specifically at hepatitis? Is it that big an issue?
1: Uh, yes, it is a major issue. Uh, in Australia, we have uh, around 233,000 people living with chronic hepatitis B, um, and around 38% of those are undiagnosed. So that's 88,000 people across Australia undiagnosed. Um, what happens when a person is Living with hepatitis B, they don't know they've got it, they haven't had the test, and they leave it unchecked, unmonitored, untreated. Unfortunately, it can cause mortality from uh, liver disease um, in around 25% of cases. Wow. So that's a very, very big number, considering that out of the 233,000 people in Australia, uh, around... Uh, 88,000 are undiagnosed. Quite a shocking statistic, actually, but there is a lot that's being done, particularly in our state here in New South Wales. I work for Hepatitis New South Wales, um, and uh, there's a campaign on at the moment around Hepatitis B testing and also around Hepatitis C, which is of a similar size. We've got about 227,000 people in Australia. It's about 80,000 in New South Wales um, who have Hepatitis C. The communities very different for B and for C, but also hepatitis C causes inflammation of the liver. And that's what that word hepatitis means. It means hepat is liver, and itis is inflammation of. So uh, that can go on to cause very serious liver disease if it's untreated in hep C uh, as well. So each of those conditions or epidemics, if you like, impact on about 1%. Of the Australian population.
0: You've mentioned the word hepatitis, so what we want to try and do as we speak in the next few minutes is clarify what it's all about. I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize that hepatitis means inflammation of the liver. Pure and simple it's that, isn't it? That's exactly right. And that's of course the A, B, C, D and so on are various varieties, am I right, of liver inflammation? That's, that's correct and
1: those viruses are not the only things that cause inflammation of the liver. that can be caused by excessive alcohol consumption. It can be caused um, by non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Um, and it can be caused, quite rare this one, but can be caused by chemicals in certain drugs. But the, the B and the C viruses are the ones that we focus on in our work uh, simply because uh, that is where a lot can be Easily done about it, both in terms of hepatitis B and in terms of
0: hepatitis C. Okay, so just to be clear, you could have hepatitis that wasn't caused by a virus. In other words, too much alcohol consumption is also going to cause inflammation of the liver. And that technically could be called hepatitis? Uh, exactly,
1: yes. It's, it's, I remember the olden days, my aunt um, had cirrhosis of the liver. And that was caused by uh, excessive alcohol consumption. So, uh, another one is, is fatty liver disease, uh, not related to alcohol. that is where people are, are obese, um, in, in just in terms of that kind sort of uh, body body mass index. Um, and that's an area where uh, diet becomes increasingly more important. But in the case of viral hepatitis, which is where our specific work focuses, there is effective management, there's effective treatment, and in the case of hepatitis C. There's fantastic new treatments which lead to cure in a very, very high percentage of cases.
0: Maybe we should just touch briefly, Stuart, on why the liver is so important. Why is it so important that our livers are not compromised?
1: The liver is a really important organ. It's, it's like a powerhouse within within the body. Um, we can't live without them. The liver processes food. It cleans blood. It does so many different things that we can't do without that when the liver is damaged through infection with viruses or through hepatitis, then the liver's role is compromised and we can't clean out toxins from the body. Um, And people with advanced liver disease develop very large distended bellies and in worst-case scenarios where liver cancer or decompensated cirrhosis happens, Um, that's where you're looking at hepatitis being a life-threatening condition. But the great thing about the liver is that it is a pretty magical organ. It can regenerate, it can rebuild itself. So even in the case of having, let's say, for example, hepatitis C, where people advance over many years and they develop cirrhosis of the liver, that progression of liver disease can be stopped in its tracks by treatment. And the liver can help self-repair, it self repairs So it's, it's, a, it's a fantastically important organ. It's a very vital organ. It's one we need to look after. Um, alcohol management is very important, uh, avoiding big drinking. There's all sorts of things that we can do to help look after our liver. And they're all very common sense things, quite often difficult for some people
0: to do, though. All right, let's look at the viral causes of hepatitis. What's the difference between the B and the C varieties?
1: The only thing they have in common is that they cause inflammation of the liver, and they are both viruses. Um, but they're different kinds of virus ones, DNA virus ones and RNA virus. Let's just separate them out. Hepatitis B has been around and has, has, has hep C for many, many, many years, hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, hepatitis B is commonly transmitted by blood-to-blood contact through vertical transmission from a mother who's living with chronic hepatitis B and that word chronic by the way just means ongoing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't relate to seriousness, it just means ongoing. So hepatitis B for most people who've got it will have been transmitted through blood to blood contact during either during pregnancy or during the birthing process. So unless that cycle is interrupted with an effective vaccination or immunization at birth for somebody who's born to a hep B positive mum then that cycle will continue and if you contract hepatitis B as an infant, as a newborn infant uh, it's vital that that um, that baby is uh, vaccinated with immunoglobulin within two days of birth. That will stop The infection taking hold.
0: Is that effective?
1: Uh, Yes it is. It's effective and it's safe Um, and it's absolutely vital to have because if they don't have that intervention then that baby will stand about a 95-97% chance of developing chronic hepatitis B themselves and that will cause over time liver damage, very serious liver disease. Just to give you an example, hepatitis B if it's left undiagnosed, left unmanaged, and left untreated, around 25% of people will be facing early mortality from liver disease resulting from that hepatitis B infection. Now, that's 25% of a pretty large number of people. So Mm. it's vital that people who are at risk of having hepatitis B find out that they've got it. Uh, we said 38% are undiagnosed. Really important that people who are at risk or at high risk of having hepatitis B, and there are definite indicators which we can talk about um, which states whether a person is at risk or not, go and have a test. And If they haven't been exposed to hep B, have a vaccination. Uh, it's a series of three vaccinations over time. Easy, cheap, effective, And for priority populations who are at risk of hepatitis B, it's free, it's funded by the government. And if you have hep B, then it's really important to have your liver health monitored regularly by your doctor and to have treatment where necessary. Now, some of the differences between B and C, there's a vaccine for hepatitis B, but there's no vaccine for hepatitis C. There's a treatment for hepatitis B, which stops progression of liver disease to those serious states of liver disease that I mentioned. But there's no cure as yet for hepatitis B. However, the treatment is highly effective and where it's needed, it's not needed all the time for all people with hepatitis B. It depends on the natural history cycle of the hepatitis B virus life cycle. Um, So if the viral load is growing, it's high, that's when treatment is needed. That treatment will stop liver disease progressing to those serious states and it
0: will keep the liver in check. So that's really important to note. So the reason that uh, Hep B can be treated with vaccine is that there has been a way determined of how to interrupt its life cycle, whereas that hasn't happened with the virus called Hep C, right?
1: That's exactly right. Neither for that matter with the the virus called HIV. Um, There's no vaccine for HIV. There's no vaccine for Hepatitis C. They're working on them, Uh, but there is an effective vaccine for hepatitis B, and that was invented by a man called um, Baruch, or commonly called Barry Blumberg, a doctor, a public health doctor in New York in the 60s, Um, and he won the Nobel Prize for medicine. Um, And, in fact, we've got World Hepatitis Day coming up um, on the 28th of July, and that World Hepatitis Day is named in Dr. Blumberg's honor. Um, 28th of uh, July was his birthday. The man who discovered the antigen or the virus itself, in fact, it was called the Australia antigen because it was found in the blood of an Aboriginal Australian mm. in the mid.
0: mentioned HIV there, Stuart, but I was going to ask you that a little bit later because often HIV is discussed in relation with hepatitis, but uh, the only similarity is that they're just viral. Is that right?
1: That's correct. And some of the transmission routes are the same as okay. well. In, mm-hmm. the, in the case of hepatitis B, hepatitis B is sexually transmitted as well,
0: same right. as HIV. Mm-hmm. All right. And you mentioned earlier vertical transmission. Is that handed on from mother to child? Is that what that, that means? Is-
1: Okay. Um, and the reason that there's such a high rate of progression in infants who contract HEP, hep B at birth, um, the reason that there's such a high chance of them developing chronic um, hepatitis B disease is because their immune systems haven't been developed yet. As an adult, if you get HEP B as an adult through sexual transmission or through blood to blood contact, then you stand about a 95% chance of fighting off. The virus, so your immune system is really powerful, and in the case of Hep B, it fights it off in 97 percent of cases sometimes. Um, so that's something to note. The vaccine is pretty much exactly the same as being exposed to the virus naturally. So a uh, little bit complex to to understand, but uh, a vaccine is really important, and it's been around for a long, long time. Certainly since the seventies in Australia, and we have a very good vaccination program. In New South Wales and across the rest of Australia, the governments, have, health departments, have paid fantastic attention to um, vaccinating people. Less work, unfortunately, has been done in identifying those people who have hepatitis B and who need access to health services. Because we're talking about a very different population group.
0: Our guest today on well being is Stuart Loveday, the CEO of Hepatitis New South Wales. Stuart, uh, you said that a lot of people, a significant proportion of the population, could have hepatitis B or C, and they don't know it. More, more so, hepatitis B than C.
1: Correct. Yes. In the case of hepatitis C, the diagnosis rates are much higher. There are probably about eighteen percent of people do not know or have not been identified as having Hep C. In the case of Hep B, it's about 38%. So uh, those figures come from the Kirby Institute, University of New South Wales, Um, pretty reliable data based on the best estimates that we've got um, of behaviours, migration patterns and the like. Um, Hep B is the one where we need to pay additional attention to uh, and really play some catch-up with because um, so many people out there are living with Hepatitis B and don't yet know it.
0: Now, what are the symptoms then? In the early days of hepatitis B uh,
1: infection, um, if you have symptoms at all, these are called the acute symptoms. They happen during the acute stage of infection where the body's immune system puts up this fight. Antibodies are developed and they try to fight off the virus. The symptoms can be jaundicing, so yellowing of the eyes, and if a person has white skin, yellowing of the skin, fatigue, different color stools, pale stools, Um, but a lot of people don't notice that. In the long term, with hepatitis B, unfortunately, there are no outward signs, commonly no outward signs. So that is why it's so distressing to find that people can be living with hepatitis B, and if they are undiagnosed and if it's left unmanaged, unmonitored, You can suddenly present with illness, and that illness turns out to be liver cancer. Mm -hmm. And that is very distressing for the person concerned, for families, and for the community as a whole. Most people who have got hepatitis B in Australia are people who have migrated to Australia from countries of high hepatitis B prevalence. And those are countries in the whole of Asia, in the whole of Southeast Asia, through Indonesia, the Philippines, over to the Pacific Islands, among Aboriginal people in Australia. So that's Aboriginal people have rates of Hep three times as high as the non-Aboriginal Australian-born population. And finally, amongst African people, sub-Saharan African people who have moved here as migrants, and of course, you get some people who contracted hepatitis B through sexual transmission or through blood-to-blood contact through injecting drugs as adults. So it's, it's a pretty wide range of people. But the people that we're targeting in this current campaign that we've got were born in China. They were born in Korea. They were born in Vietnam, in Fiji, in the Philippines, in Korea, in New Zealand, Maori people from New Zealand people from Cambodia, the whole of the Pacific Islands, um, and as I said, Aboriginal people and people who are here from, from sub-Saharan Africa.
0: Why, um, why is it that uh, those populations are so affected?
1: That is the natural history of the virus. I heard a great talk by a Maori professor at a conference a couple of years ago in New Zealand, and he tracked the the, the, the Asian population as coming, let's say, it was... B was found, he postulated that B was in a woman, in an uh, an island, a native woman in an island of Taiwan, transmitted to her baby, transmitted to babies, transmitted to babies. Um, So as migration happened down through China, across into um, Vietnam, Cambodia, across into Southeast Asia, over to the Pacific Islands, over to Hawaii, and then not too sure how many canoes there were. Seven, I think. They went to New Zealand. <laughs> um, he he found that there were three things in common: there was body art scarification, there was language in some cases, and there was hepatitis B. There were people from Africa, um, so that's thought that's that where hepatitis B comes from. So migration patterns there as well. So it's in the kind of natural migration history. It's why it's more prevalent in. Australian Aboriginal people. And the only time that transmission stops is if there's an effective vaccine programme. Now, as I said, Australia has a brilliant vaccine programme. Other countries are catching up with their own public health system. So in China, it's getting really good there now, widespread vaccination. So um, eventually, um, hepatitis B won't be a problem. But until we have reached all people living with hepatitis B make sure that they have their liver monitored through simple blood tests with their doctor, have treatment if needed, then hepatitis B is going to remain a major, major problem in Australia and elsewhere in
0: the world. I'm sure some people listening will think, I have no symptoms, but I could be at risk. Should I, as a matter of course, go and see my doctor and have a check anyway, or should I just go ahead and get the vaccine?
1: Well, they won't give you the vaccine unless you've had the test. So I would say absolutely fine. If you are concerned, if you live in a family or in a household where there's people with hepatitis B or you're from one of those countries or you are an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander um, or if you're from the Pacific Islands or if you're from Africa, then by all means go and have a test. That's what we are calling people to do. So first of all, ask, could it be me? Then go for a test and then have regular monitoring. You want to intervene and stop
0: the virus progressing. Very, very important. Some of the symptoms you've mentioned—fatigue, change of colour in stools and urine, and what have you—those are certain things that you should probably raise with your doctor in any case, wouldn't you? But in the context would, of hepatitis as well,
1: you, you you would do that. But those symptoms don't apply in all cases. So it's don't wait until the symptoms are there. Go and have a
0: blood test. That's mm. what we would recommend. Okay. You said there will come a time when it won't be a problem. Are you envisioning a time when it'll be eradicated completely?
1: It affects an entirely different population group. Um, there is no vaccine for hep C, but there is a treatment and a fantastic cure. And this is one of the exciting things that we are talking about this uh, Hepatitis Awareness Week and World Hepatitis Day.
0: Well, let's finish on that. What is the treatment?
1: Right. Well, just looking at some numbers, first of all, Just a bit fewer, 227,000 people in Australia, so 1% of the population. Much higher in prison, about 32% in prison across Australia. Um, Most people who got hepatitis C got it through blood-to-blood contact. It's a blood-borne virus. It's not easily transmitted sexually. It's transmitted in certain circumstances among certain population groups sexually. But for most people, blood-to-blood contact, when they shared equipment used to inject drugs, be in the 70s, it could be in the 60s, even, it could be in the 80s, it could be the 90s, it could be now. Um, if you've ever injected drugs and shared equipment with anybody, not just the needles and the syringes, but any of the equipment, the spoons, the swabs, the filters, the tourniquets, the mix in the spoon that people draw up, if that's ever been shared, you stand a pretty high chance of having hepatitis C. Um, for those people, um, again, long period of time before liver disease and symptoms start to appear. And those symptoms, again, they might start when you're in your 40s, or your 50s, and they tiredness and lethargy and liver pain. And people might put that just down to aging. But it's important, again, if you have any of the risk behaviors, which also include unsterile tattooing, unsterile body piercing, ever having been in prison, born in a country of high hepatitis C prevalence, and that is more from unsterile medical procedures, the lack of single-use equipment. And there we're talking about countries that are economically poorer than Australia, who don't have those really efficient um, sterile use equipment um, available in all their hospitals and healthcare care settings. Um, some people who had blood products received from people living with hemophilia, uh, people who had blood transfusions, but most of those people, have, through various look-back programs and through the health system, they've been identified. Um, the treatments, they used to be interferon-based, and that was a quite an effective drug. The cure rates right towards its end were around 50 to 80%. The side effects for most people were shocking, and that's what people avoided, and they were waiting for these new treatments to become available. They are available now. They they became available on the 1st of March 2016. So they've been in place for just over a year now. And we've seen a number of people come flooding forward for treatment because these new drugs, and there's a number of them, um, are easy to take, in some cases, one pill a day of short duration, on average 12 weeks, some people shorter, some people longer. Minimal or no side effects. And this is what is so different from the old interferon-based therapies, which required weekly injections. They like the new treatments and the old treatments are really, they like chalk and cheese. Um, The most stunning news about the new hep C treatments, and they are nothing like the old interferon treatments, um, the new direct-acting antiviral treatments, or DAA treatments, have a cure rate of 95% plus. And that is quite remarkable. They're fully funded by the federal government, and I take my hat off to um, the various ministers involved, Susan Lee um, and now Greg Hunt. Uh, we have some uh, we have new drugs in the pipeline very soon. We hope they will be approved, um, which will be available for all people with hep C, whatever their genotype, whatever their stage of liver disease, whatever their history of risk behavior, whatever their current drug use situation is. Australia has along with Japan the best to hep C treatments in the world. So we're encouraging all people who might have any of those blood-to-blood contact risk behaviors that lead to hep C infection to be tested. And so many people, as I said, about um, almost 80% know they have got uh, hep C. If you know you've got hep C, go and see your doctor because GPs can prescribe these new treatments. They are Nothing short of fantastic. Very exciting uh, time. Absolutely. So CURE is, is with us, and we stand the potential to eliminate Hepatitis C in Australia by 2030, without a doubt. Wonderful. There is a number, an info line number, that people across Australia can call, and that number is 1-800-437-222. Um, so translated, that's 1-800-HEP-ABC. Give that number a call. Get access to the best information from the community groups across Australia. Um, And if you have Hep C, go for treatment because there's a very high chance, 95% plus, that you will be cured within three
0: months. Stuart, thanks for coming on the program and telling us some more about hepatitis, what it is, how to avoid it, and uh, the hope that there is that anybody suffering with it can... um, be cured eventually with it, get the right treatment at least. Thank you. Stuart Loveday, the CEO of Hepatitis New South Wales, our guest on Wellbeing today. I'm Graham Wilson, and all of us at Wellbeing wish you well.